uh, appreciate your singing out, especially when we're trying to learn a song. Uh, but that Psalm 130 adaptation has a lot of, does have a lot of truth in it. So it's good to, if we can learn that. Thank you, Chris, for playing that. And um, good with you guys doing some creative parting or whatever you want to call it with the echoing and everything else. Good. I appreciate that very much. Well, tonight's just kind of an open forum on Psalm 130. I hope not. Uh, John 11, where we've been. And um, also to, um, if, 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 you know, if there's other questions or issues you want to discuss, that would be, uh, that would be great. So uh, let's start with John 11, the passage today or whatever you may have in your mind. What were your reactions? And, and maybe what are the takeaways for us? What are lessons we can learn from it? So... As you were studying, reading, considering the passage, did anything jump out at you? Challenges for us to consider? Yes, George. I like the uh, don't limit God. If only. Yeah. You know, we could say that all the time. You know, if only I had enough money to do something back then. If only I had this or that. We don't have to limit God. Yeah, so that idea of, uh, you know, if only you'd been here. And, 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 and George, I think that is a, uh, a problem we can bring. What does that look like? Okay, if only I had enough money, where might we do that sort of thing? You know, that, you know she was saying, if only you'd been here, you would have solved, avoided this problem. Where do we limit, you, you know, that you have to be here to heal? Or how do we find ourselves limiting the Lord? Like Marco was uh, missing, like I was missing last week when he covered the or verse 15 where Jesus says, I'm glad that for you sakes that I was not here or not there to the intent that you may believe and nevertheless let's go on to him. I mean, yeah, I don't think she realized that that was all for a purpose. And we don't realize things are for a purpose many times. Very good. So, so the Lord was glad that he wasn't there because there are bigger things at stake than... Lazarus is uh, having to die and be restored. And and so by not being there, he would have not died. And so the Lord is glad for those times for us to learn. Yes. And it's on that note that we often um, forget that, you know, that he has a purpose. And... We want him to solve our problem right then. And um, we don't want to have to go through the trial. So, mm -hmm. so, so as Barb's saying, is sometimes uh, that's our attitude. If, if, if ever we go through the hard time, Lord, something went wrong here. This, isn't, this can't be your plan. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, yes, it is exactly. And it, um, it seems so much bigger. Why Lazarus? Someone else could have died, and he could have raised him up in four days. Um, it just, there, there's so many factors. Why this family and not another? Or don't, don't let him die at all. Don't raise him up. He still is going to go in and die for our sins. Um, I, we won't know. I would just, I've just always been speculating a lot on it. What they were, he's revealed what he has intended. But there's so much more, like the protection of Mary and Martha. They followed Jesus. We know that the leaders were so evil, and that if the brother did die, that would have left 
those ladies destitute because we know that they connive and they figure out how to hurt widows, you know, take things away from widows. And um, and what about the protection of that family so close to Jerusalem when he knows all the persecution is coming? Yeah, let's persecute the rich. That way we can take away everything that they have. You know, these are Jesus followers. He took care of him in his house. So I see um, there's so much... Yes, the most number one thing is his glory, but the trickle-down effect on that family. And he could have accomplished it in so many other ways, or not at all. And still would, would have fulfilled the purpose of him dying, but mm-hmm. how special it is. And that's one of our struggles, is when we, as soon as we start asking the why question, Unless it's a clearly revealed thing in Scripture where we start roaming into the speculations, you know, in, in our own lives. Why did the Lord allow this to happen? Now, we can look and say, what are some benefits that will come through, passing through this time, looking for his glory to be shown? What's our, that's our chief end, to glorify God um, and enjoy him forever. But, but yes, it's, it's so, you know, why? Why? I, I remember... A hundred years ago, when Chuck Swindoll wasn't quite as well known as he came to be known, uh, he, I was in California, and he was uh, visiting a church where I was visiting, and he, and he was the guest speaker. But he told the story of a fellow that uh, was going for a big, big job interview, and he was—he got his, I think he may have gotten a new suit, and he was all impeccably dressed, and he's nervous and all this, and as he's waiting, the subway tray uh, rolls up, and, and the doors open up, and on the other side is a guy who has been very, very troubled by the travel and he's not feeling well and, and he opens up just in time to uh, unload on the poor fellow in the uh, in the suit and the questions start flowing why me why this why now we don't know we don't know um, and so we but but what can I learn how can I grow where can God's glory be seen are questions we can ask in our own lives. But trusting that God knows exactly what he's doing. And, and, and okay, I'll give you a why that's not written in Scripture, but the, the benefit of, of it being Lazarus is um, a couple things. One, it was, a, it was a well-known family. So this wasn't, this wasn't happening if he raised someone from the dead six days in the tomb over in Perea across the Jordan. That may or may not have been known. This was very much, in, and again, we're jumping ahead because right now he's not raised where we are this morning. <laughs> but but he, when he is being raised in Bethany, a, a, a kind of a stone's throw from Jerusalem, and surrounded by the Jews, in other words, some of the Jerusalem uh, prominent Jewish leaders, uh, it's in their face. And, and they go back and they say, we were there. We were there when they put him in the tomb. And we were there when he came back out. We, we saw the whole thing. And, and you know, because, you know, they can argue one thing. Remember the blind man? Well, bring his parents. Was he really blind? Is this really your son? Yeah, we've got our doubts. This was a very, and, and it's going to lead to conflict, as we'll see. Um, and it'll get Lazarus on the, uh, the, the list of uh, targeted people. But, yes? Um, you know, when I catch myself 
maybe even too often, as I realize I'm thinking, despite uh, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, that person X has got no hope of being saved. That is such a good, it, it, that's why I think we, we got a Saul. Uh, you know, the Lord could have easily chosen one of the, uh, some other very godly Galilean or something. Instead, he chose Saul, who is impossible. Um, but we all are, aren't we? We're all dead. And, 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 and it's, it, each and every one of us is as much a miracle as, as Saul of Tarsus. Um, but we look at him and say, God, if God can save him, he can save that ungodly neighbor across the street. He can, he can save, I mean, look at whatever political interests you may have. So you might have some on the list of those are beyond hope. Are they? No. Um, can God, if God can raise us all, um, that's, that's an encouragement. And to me too, that's, that's something uh, sometimes we wrestle with. And it's a little hard to think about, you know, think through, imagine. But you look at David, man after God's own heart, the sweet, sweet psalmist of Israel, the stealer of Uriah's wife, the plotter of Uriah's murder, a very imperfect person. And in our day recently, in our recent history in America, you know, there's been this thing of if, if some leader from the past of some has some uh, black marks on his uh, in his history, then we're gonna we're gonna eliminate him. Well, if we're honest with that, then there will be no statues. You know, there'll be no heroes because that. And I think that's the point. We look at a David and say, God, how could you use someone like that? To which the answer is, Well, how could he use you? Me. That's the point. God uh, works with crackpots. You know, he, he works with the flawed. And he's a God of grace and mercy. And so we look at a Saul and we look at a, um, we look at a David and say, yeah, God could even use me. Yeah. And I'm coming to mind, remember that story we've talked about, uh, Corey Ten Boom speaking on forgiveness and up walks the German guard that she recognized from, from her concentration camp. And having to wrestle with the fact, yes, God could forgive him. Yeah. And other uh, reflections from this text. I'll throw out another one. Go, go for it. Uh, I got a new appreciation for Martha. Uh, and her, the thing I remember about Martha is she's grousing at Mary yep. for not helping her. Yep. And you seem to remember that more than uh, what her how her faith was demonstrated in that dialogue with Jesus. <laughs> really good point. So we look at Martha, you know, Martha, Martha. Martha means bitter, doesn't it? Uh, Mary <laughs> means bitter. <laughs> uh, I'd have to look and see what Martha think means. Um, but... Uh, look at that real quickly. Let's see if we can figure that out. Mara? Is what Mary's in New Testament equivalent to Mara? Yes. Um, um, I'd have to look at that. Martha Martha in, in Greek is Martha. Okay. So, um, but I, I, I don't know if there's a, what the significance is. Of course, obviously that might have a C, what, what Hebrew name might be in view. 
But yes, uh, I think this, she comes out looking pretty good here. And her confession of faith leads, um, I think, is, is to be honored. Yes. And then I appreciate what you said about Mary, because in my read-throughs, I'm thinking, oh, Mary's not looking so good this time. She's staying in the house. But you brought out that she was there doing what she's supposed to do in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's what they often call it, sitting in, in the morning period. And, and she may not, again, may not even have known, because Martha is um, the elder of the home now. And, 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 and so... Um, the messengers came to her, perhaps, and not Mary. There says Martha means she was rebellious. She was rebellious. Okay. There you go. Who says that? Thayer. Thayer, okay. That's a uh, um, uh, an older and uh, much-used uh, Greek lexicon. Chris? Don't, don't name your kid Martha. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of names if you really look at them. <laughs> yeah. I was just noticing the, um, the context that John provides. Um, cause I, as far as I can tell, that the story of Mary anointing Jesus um, in Matthew and Mark, it doesn't call her out by name and doesn't provide the context of Lazarus raising from the dead. As far as I can see, I could be wrong on that. But um, it's almost like John fills in those details mm-hmm. for us. Um, I just find it interesting because Jesus says in Matthew and Mark, um, as you've mentioned before, um, that whether wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her, but they never give, our, give her name. And then John, as far as I can tell, but John comes along and provides the context that maybe would be missing otherwise. Very good point. And I hadn't noticed that, and I hadn't looked carefully at those texts, but did you hear that? In other words, in the, the parallel passages in Matthew and Mark, uh, this woman is going to be remembered for this, but we're not even told her name. And so John, uh, again, writing the last of the Gospels towards the end of, you know, closer to the end of that first century, Matthew, Mark, Luke are already out there, plus the, just where the Gospel is gone. Uh, but he, he does help us know more by telling her name. That's a, that's a very good point. Uh, and again, when you're studying Gospels, sometimes it's helpful, and there's all the tools you can find... Uh, online or, or, or books, but, but what they call gospel harmonies that, that help you put parallel those things. Yes, Joe. Uh, isn't in one of the other gospels the woman that wipes Jesus' feet and weeps and all that stuff, isn't in that context that the woman is a prostitute and the, the, the whoever the man of the house is didn't properly get rebuked for not properly welcoming Jesus? Or am I thinking, am I getting my story? What passage is that? The woman, the, the immoral woman, and the, and the Pharisees saying, if he only knew who this was, what passage is that? Come on, you guys, you, you've got your devices. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to check and see if my device will tell me. Let's see. Okay, um, let's try Luke seven forty six. Matthew 
Matthew 26, too. Um, I'm going to take that one as a, a different account. Different woman or a different? A, a different situation. Uh, so that's uh, because, now notice, and again, in this case, and you have to, it says, um, starting in, I'm in Luke chapter 7, um, starting back at, say, verse 37. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, um, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant, fragrant oil. So the Mary uh, and Martha is, that's in their home, not, I mean, I mean that's not in um, a Pharisee's home. And, and then she stood at his feet behind him, weeping as she began to wash his feet with her tears, wiped him with her hair, Okay, but that's her tears, not the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees saw, um, you know, he says, if Jesus really were a prophet, he would know something. Um, and he said, you know, then verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, you see this woman, I entered this house, you gave me no water for, for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them. So there was, this is a similar, but it's not anointing oil. And so it's not the same woman. And that's where sometimes you have to kind of study those out and see uh, who, who are we talking about here. Verse 46. Ah, you anointed my feet with oil. Yes. Okay. Yes. So she did use oil. Thank you. Which is helpful. You should always read the full text. <laughs> Yeah, so, so he started with the tears, and then came the oil. And she must have maybe, I guess, brought the oil with her. Maybe that was her original intent. I, I'm just kind of, I haven't looked at this passage in a while. But still, I would say um, the, the, the setting is different. Um, she anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say, okay. So, are they both in the house of Simon? Let's go over to John 12. Oops. It says, There they made him a supper who... Um, Mary, Martha served. Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly oil. There's no mention of tears, and this is in um, Bethany. Uh, anyone notice back there in Luke 7 where that's happening? Matthew 26 says Simon in the house in Bethany. In Bethany. Ah, okay. Okay, I was wondering. There's a, is that Simon the leper? Yep. Yeah. Matthew 26. Verse 6. And that is the same event. That's Matthew 26 is, um, you know, that's getting into the time frame of the, the Lord's passion, the Lord's last week. Right? Again, the Luke 7 is a, I think, a different narrative. Where are we?
So anyway, I would say it's a different account, and I, I, I haven't looked at them closely enough to, to point to some of the distinctions, except that's a different woman. Wait, that's Luke. I'm not looking at Matthew. So yeah, two different signs. Yeah, and again, that's a, that's a common name. Um, What passage was that? Verse twenty-seven. And the, the the conversation in Matthew was after the te- tears and the and the wiping of the hair is is different um, than it is after that same kind of activity in, in Luke. You know, he's talking to um, the the Pharisees in in Luke. And he's talking to the disciples in, in Matthew afterwards. Okay, so remind me, where is the, okay, behold the woman, all right. He does talk about the same, he did. Maybe I the wrong place. Got says there's um, nothing in common of the two except um, anointing of the Savior's feet and the name Simon. The former was in Galilee. This is in Bethany near Jerusalem. The host, there the host despised the woman who anointed. Here her brother is one of the guests and her sister is an active attendant. The woman was, quote, a sinner a notoriously bad woman. Here it is the devout Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and heard his word months before. There the host thought it strange that Jesus allowed her to touch him. Here the disciples complain of waste. There the Savior gave assurance of forgiveness. Here the perpetual and worldwide honor. Especially notice that here the woman who anoints is anticipating his speedy death and burial, of which at the former time he had never distinctly spoken. In view of all these differences, it is absurd to present the two anointings as the same, and outrageous on such slender ground to cast reproach on Mary of Bethany. So, uh, she's just making that up. <laughs> Gotquestions.org, which is always a wonderful source. You have over 6,000 questions. So, looking, I, I, I was going to mention looking at gospel harmonies, and so I'm going to, there's an app I have that's gospel harmony. Uh, first time I uh, learned of this app, someone said, uh, you know, I thought you'd be interested, and sent me an app for gospel harmony. I thought it was about singing, and I wasn't that. <laughs> so I took a while before I opened it. Oh, that kind of a gospel harmony. Um, but, so just the, to put in perspective, uh, uh, Mary, I mean, in the, the anointing in Matthew 26, 6 and following, Mark 14, 3 and following, John 12, 2 and following, um, Matthew and Mark mentioned, I'm noticing, mentioned Bethany specifically, John is continuing the narrative. Anyway, those three describe the same event, Luke is different. And Luke, let me, uh, I think Luke is only in Luke. So, and as you mentioned, the Luke event is 
in Galilee. So this is one of those things where we, we have to, sometimes it's the same event, but they're recording different details. Like you, you look at the parallel of the, of the cross, and they'll say, well, Jesus said this, and Jesus said this. Well, actually, he said both of those things, but different ones record. Um, so, so anyway, all that to say, um, those are, the Luke is not the same, but, I, but I'm looking at them, and someone said, Matthew and Mark, uh, she is not named. And Mark is the one that tells us, and, and Matthew says it's in the home of Simon the leper. And so with the, the others are present. You know, in two of the accounts here, though, they jump on the woman for, why, why are you wasting this? Mm -hmm. the, uh, the Matthew account and the John 12 account. Yes. They, they both mention that. Matthew mentions it. John 12 mentioned it. Uh, Mark 14 mentions, why waste this ointment? It might have been sold for more than 300. They murmured against her. One of the things that's interesting in noticing that, in, in, in John 12, again, that's, we're not there yet. We're told it's Judas Iscariot uh, who says, why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 denarii? He held the he held the money box. Um, Matthew tells us uh, when the disciples saw it, they had indignation. Mark um, says there were some who had indignation within themselves. Putting those together, I think Judas Iscariot was the first one to complain. And you know, but again, his motivation is he's not caring about the poor, but that's going to go in his pocket. Um, so that tells me, sadly, again, here it is, just before the crucifixion of the Lord, basically, and we still see Simon Iscariot not recognized as the traitor he was, the false, the unbeliever that he was, and um, how they quickly follow him. But we'll get into that maybe when we get into John twelve. So, are we? Have we? Have, we, have I stirred the waters enough to confuse you? So, so that's, that's the value of the, of the gospel harmony to kind of put in perspective. How did we figure this out? One, Barb knew off the top of her head and just started pointing out the differences. But here's a good, I do recommend uh, gutquestions.org because there's, you can look at all kinds of things in there. And they're very much in line with where we are theologically. And so it's trustworthy. As trustworthy say as I am, which means... Trust, but verify, right? <laughs> Open your Bible and verify. Um, but so then, again, I'm helped by, in this case, I used an app that's a gospel harmony. If you like the old uh, Dead Tree version, <laughs> the one I, I'm, I most like is a gospel harmony by A.T. Robertson. It's old, um, and he was a um, very uh, distinguished Greek uh, scholar. I've got in my shelf his literally his advanced Greek grammar is four or five probably five inches thick, uh, and he wrote uh, uh, put together a gospel harmony. It's very helpful. Yes. Um, that's where this quote and that questions came from. A. T. Robertson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's an old standard. Uh, you know, is it possible sometimes? Uh, I don't quite agree with the harmonization. I'm sure there's no there's no source. <laughs> 
that we agree with 100% on decisions, but it's a very reliable source, A.T. Robertson. And I'm not sure, but I think this app may be based on it. Those of you who want the app, it's free. And I believe it's called Gospel Harmony. And it's available in two translations, King James or the World English Bible. So, good. So good, good observations and, and trying to compare and, and contrast. What else do we think about with this text? Well, you're doing some good things. Yes. Could I ever been able to make the four days work out unless they did some major rounding up? Because he had to be gone for them to be surprised. The message had to be around to be surprised that Jesus took so long to get there. Um at that point, they're, they're not, they don't even say it's just you weren't here. Had you been here, he wouldn't have died. The, the, the way we, I would put those events together is they sent asking Jesus for help. That's an eight to ten hour trip. That's a one day trip. When he's there, Jesus is announcing he's already, um, he's already dead. Or I mean, does that maybe just a little after that? But anyway, what I would understand is he died while the messenger was in transit. That, that's day one. And and in the in the in Jewish tradition, um, and I, and I believe it's also true in Islam. Um, you know, they don't embalm, and so their the burial is, is same day if, if possible. Uh, the same is true in, in India, though they they don't bury. But uh, in, in Nepal, at least, I saw that that day of death is a day of uh, cremation. So, so that's day one. Then it says Jesus waited two days, and then said, "Let's go two, three, four. There's the there's the the numbers guy. He's <laughs> he wants to make sure the numbers add up in all the right columns. Good, and that's that's I think the best scenario of understanding that. So, um, and that's why, and, and that becomes significant because uh, there, then there's no question he's dead. Um, yeah. Did you say, was it how long of a journey? Um, depending on who you, like, for example, I, uh, I read one uh, commentator, and so he, the journey from Jericho he walked it with them, some students with him, and it was a little over six hours, I think. Jericho is about, I think, an hour and a half, two hours to the Jordan across from where they're baptizing. So I'm saying eight to ten hour, maybe a little bit more, would be how long the journey should take. Make sense? And again, it's it's well, it's 18 miles as the bird flies, but not um, like if you look at the road up to, from Jericho to Jerusalem, it's a winding kind of road. So um, I'm not sure how much it is actually in steps. I look, I look at that map and journey and I think, okay, there's about a week. Um, but, but walking was much more common then. What else did you see in this text? 
Good thinking of God for that. Yes, Tom. Well, I was sort of thinking, you know, in one sense, it's a, it would be an awful thing to be resurrected from the dead because you were in glory and you then get yanked back out of it. And somehow that spawned the thought or the phrasing that death is the doorway to God's face, which somehow hit me and it's phrased exactly like that. Yes, yeah, so, so in other words, the question is, how great is this revivit? And I'm going to mention this when we get there. It's, I, I would not, a resurrection, technically the language is there, resurrection. But I prefer to call it a restoration to life or revivification if you want something. In that normally when we think resurrection, that's when you get your glorified body. Um, so, so, but he was restored to life. And it wasn't just... Um, bring out the paddles restoration. It was dead, dead restoration. And so, and being truly dead, pardon me? He wasn't mostly dead. He wasn't mostly dead. He wasn't, uh, uh, you know, he wasn't within the realm of possibilities. Um, Remember, she says, you know, by now it's going to smell. Uh, It's, so he was dead, dead. So he was brought back to life. And the fact that he's dead, death in the, in, the New, in the New Testament is described as when the Spirit leaves the body. So, and when the Spirit leaves the body, absent from the, from the body, um, somewhere within 20 feet. No. <laughs> absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so, there, so that's where um, I kind of feel bad for Lazarus. And, and so he honored the Lord through his death, but, and then he honored his Lord through his second death. And, um, yeah, you can almost imagine him cutting his sister's look at the dinner table. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> but, um, yeah. You can write a book, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, on Amazon, you can see his uh, dealing with the bitterness toward my sister's signed Lazarus. It is that is a hard thing for him, and and but now here's the questions we don't know. Did he remember? Don't know. Same thing comes up with those those that are that come out of the you know the saints that come out of the tombs. There we saw it in Matthew. Uh, that that's one of those like quick verses and say, oh come on now. One little more paragraph would help us so much more. Um, but we're not told, and and we don't know about. Did he remember? But I, I would have to understand he, his, his soul was in the presence of the Lord. Can you think of anyone else who, who, who's experienced that being in the presence of the Lord and yet was alive to tell about it? Biblically. Paul. Paul. Now again, he's, he kind of very humbly says, now, I know a man you know, who... Um, that's like, I know a guy that you know, was backing up, backed into your, your door. But I, yeah, I know a man. And then he said, well, who's he talking about? He said, but then the Lord gave me the thorn in the flesh. This is in 2 Corinthians. Lest I boast. And so, but he says, I was not permitted to tell what I saw. Um, so, 
Is that what Lazarus experienced? And that wasn't a death. That was just a... And, and he even says, I don't know if I went in the spirit or if it was... I don't, know, I, don't, I don't even know how it all happened. But um, all that to say, we don't know what he experienced, but I would understand he was in glory. He saw the Lord, yeah. And, and so did he go up into, or have some kind of a heavenly experience, but he saw the Lord, high lifted up. He saw the angels as he was worshiping. So he had a vision of that. And... Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Of course, you know, uh, the Apostle John, remember he's taken up, come up here. And remember, there's one of those scenes where he's he heard some things, he starts writing down, no, you don't write that one. You know? um, and, and, you know, you wonder if it said something like April 17, 2023. No, don't write that. Um, but yeah, so, so some saw that. Um, but so he's going to have to go through death twice. He did go through death twice, I should say. Yes, Tom. For the first time I connected, I am where Jesus said, I am the life here with the Matthew text where he says it is better to enter life maimed than. And so, you know, the connection, you know, so he is, he is the reason that we are able to enter that or not. Yes. It's all of Jesus. It's nothing in our, you know, that thing of better to enter the, you know, uh, life, missing a hand or missing an eye than to, to miss it entirely. And so, but it's all through Christ. Again, I'm struck by John's account, how he tells us these, these personal encounters. And I really sense partly what he's trying to tell us is how personal Jesus is to every one of us. You know, that in other words, uh, he, he's not just some God far off sending, you know, little zaps of grace or sending this or that. He personally cares for us, personally has a heart for us has an affection for us, as he did for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He cares for us. And sometimes we, we, we view him and God as, uh, he is, he's holy, he's righteous. Um, and yet he adopts us as his children. And, and, and that's, um, I, this passage, just thinking about it this uh, last week in particular, just uh, struck me again at how much the Lord cared. You know, it's a personal, loving, caring relationship between us and the Lord. And and sometimes we get focused on um, the doings and or whatever it may be instead of a relationship with the Lord. And we see how much he cared for these people, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, having the right doctrine. Yeah. And and and, and they have, you know, it's and so it's and again it's doctrine's important, but Doctrine's not enough. Doctrine's not enough. That was an important point this morning. Yeah. Yes, Chris. I was just tracking the, the phrase the Jews through this account. And yes. You mentioned a couple weeks ago that the disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking a stone you. Why are you doing there? 
And then we saw today that the Jews came to console Mary. And then we'll see later that when they see Lazarus raised, it says some of the Jews believe. Um, and it kind of reminds me that we don't always understand, you know, Jesus, why are you going there? The Jews are going to stone you. And they end up, some of them end up believing. Um, so I think in the moment, we just, sometimes you just don't understand how he's working. And he's got, he's got, he's, he's, he's got a plan. And we just need to trust him. So are you, so that's one of the things that we're, we're picking up in John. John <laughs> refers to the Jews. The Jews did this, the Jews, how would you identify John? He's a Jew. As is Jesus, as are all the disciples. So why does he refer to the Jews? There he's talking about especially the religious leaders, the official Judaism or Jew Jewry, official Judah, whatever you want to describe it. Big J Jews. Uh, pardon me? Big J Jews. The big J Jews, yes. Um, and so so there that that's the official group that's opposed. But Chris notes and he's cheating, you know, he's reading ahead. <coughs> Um, some of the Jews believe. And, and that's significant. In other words, these are the ones who have been a, at, least a, at least kind of a, in the party. I, mean, I don't know if these are some of the ones that were wrestling. We know we're told, like, like Nicodemus, remember, he kind of holds his peace. Or he might throw out a little bit of a question. Are these some that weren't maybe thoroughly convinced against Jesus, but didn't want to say too much? Or maybe there was a... They weren't as passionate. Or maybe they were just out and out. Jesus is the enemy. But then they went and God used that to turn even some of those who were part of the official opposition to faith. And again, we've already mentioned the classic example of that is the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. He was of the Jews. He was an actual Pharisee. Um, and yet he trusted, he trusted Christ. So, so yes, that was one of the benefits of what Lazarus did. Uh, well, actually, Lazarus didn't do anything, except he came out when he was told to. But, but of the Lazarus healing, that's one of the fruits. And then those guys, again, uh, how much did they speak up in, the, in their circles? Hard to say. But, but some came to believe. Now, was, and we'll look at that. Is that saving faith or just... Uh, on questioning, yeah, that happened. We'll look at that when we get there. But um, some of the Jews believe. I would take that not as just some Jewish people. Uh, in John, I think the Jews is pretty much capital J Jew. <laughs> uh, the official Jews, the, the leadership Jews. Because otherwise everyone in Israel who believes would say is a Jew who believes. Any other reactions to this? What's interesting is we're talking, you know, we're getting ahead. We're talking about the, you know, the raising of Lazarus. You've read ahead, and that's good. Uh, we'll get there next week. But, um, but again, here's just the, the benefit of, of being allowed to hear this interaction between Martha and Jesus and how he leads her along. And, and he's laying the groundwork for what he's getting ready to do. And then we'll come across Mary next time. And, and, and go with them to the tomb. And so next time, I anticipate showing you um, some videos of, of where that is in Bethany. Uh, archaeology, archaeologically, um, there's a traditional tomb that you know, may or may not be, but you know, it, it'll, it'll give you some insight. And so um, we'll look at that 
uh, in relation to next week's sermon. So it won't be Wednesday because that'll be our men's study time and women's study time and kids for truth study time. Okay, any other questions or thoughts on all that? Good, you've, you've, you've challenged us and it's a teamwork here of opening up our Bibles and opening up our apps. Yes, Tom? One last thing as a topic is hopefully make sure I say this. I found out just before we left that uh, let's say Schneider's grandfather Schneider has been frail for years and years. He's been more than ready to be with the Lord for at least three years. And according to the doctors, tonight is likely to be the night. So according to the Schneider family. Okay. Uh, Alicia Schneider is... Um her grandfather, and he's here. He's, he's in Atlanta. Okay, here in the States as opposed to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yeah. And so, um, so yes, let's uh, pray for that. Her grandfather is... Yeah, her grandmother is really already been struggling. She knows it's close. And she's, she wants to be with the Lord, but she doesn't really <laughs> Okay, so, so Tom's raising the, the, the classic issue. He's a believer. His wife's a believer. His son's a believer. His granddaughter, just some, you know. Uh, they know, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Is it a lack of faith to not, to want him to not die? Um, no, of course not. Because they love having him there. They love, you know, until he'll be missed. It's, it's not, and that's where, um, as we'll see, uh, coming up, even Jesus can weep over death. And, and so um, our grief over a loved one who knows the Lord dying, and we have to be careful, you know, they're dying, but they're not dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, dying, small d. Um, our grief over that isn't a denial of our faith. <clears throat> so, um, but we can pray for God's grace for them during this time and that God's glory be seen uh, through this and let me pray for that right now and we'll have a closing song Father we do pray for this family dealing with the reality uh, that uh, this life is finite this physical life is finite and so Father as this husband as this father, as this grandfather um seems so close to entering into your presence. Father, we ask that um, you would bring him home uh, in, in gentleness and and in mercy. Uh, Lord, bring him home. I pray for comfort for the family around him to know your peace and your strength uh, and your grace uh, in a time of grief and a time of loss. And at the same time, Lord, begin even now filling their hearts with the joy of knowing the battle is over for him when that time comes and that his joy is inexpressible and beyond our comprehension as we are now. Father, we thank you for your text and that before us that we've considered tonight. Um, thank you for how much you have shown us and we confess, Lord, we I would love to see more details here, but we thank you for what you've given that we might see your heart, we might see your strength, and we might see what it is to follow Christ by these examples. And so we pray your, your, your blessing on this in Jesus' name.